So I want to begin just by uh, saying thank you for the opportunity to preach today. There's lots of good preachers between the two churches, and the fact that um, Mark and Michael allowed me to be the one to share, I am appreciative and grateful for that. But of course, with privilege goes responsibility, and, and so I struggle a little bit, what is it that I should be preaching on today? My guess is that both of our congregations are in the midst of series, and so it didn't seem to continue on with that. Um, and so I thought, well, maybe we can just look at something that's sort of relevant uh, to the time that we're in. And this is a great weekend for, for particular themes because it is Super Bowl weekend, um, and tomorrow is a Valentine's Day. And so there were two opportunities there of things that I could focus on, but, uh, but as I wrestled with that, it created quite a dilemma, because on the one side, I could preach to those things that are appealing to the guys. On the other side, I could preach to those things that are more appealing uh, to the women. And I know that there's women that like football and guys that get into Valentine's Day. In generalities, though, uh, we have these sort of these two uh, different sides. And so I wrestled with that. Do I preach to the guys? Do I preach to the women? Do I preach to uh, Super Bowl? Do I preach to Valentine's Day? Do I preach to football? Do I preach to love? And I went back and forth on this for, uh, for a little bit. Football, love, love, football. What do I do in that? And then God spoke. And he said that there is a way that you can cover both of these themes under one banner, under one topic. And so I decided that I would preach to those who love football. Uh, but even as I was thinking that thought, um, the Holy Spirit, I believe, whispered in my ear and said, you know, Brett, you can preach on that, but if you look to my word, what is it that I've really uh, talked more about? And I had to respond, well, God, I know it's, it's more about love, but that's really not fair because football hadn't even been invented uh, when your word was written, uh, to which the Holy Spirit again said, that's true, but since I'm God, couldn't I have arranged that if I wanted to? And I didn't have a good answer to that. Um, so, guys, I'm sorry to say that we're not going to be having a football emphasis this morning. Instead, we're going to be talking on this theme of love, though uh, it actually is a pretty easy theme to focus on because there is just so much in God's Word that speaks about that. And looking, uh, doing a little research, I discovered that there's 762 verses in over 500 different, no, 762 instances of the word love in over 500 verses. That is a lot of love. Um, and obviously, this is a theme that God wants to be well-known among his people, that he has things that he wants to say about it. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time uh, just touching on it, as is true of so many God's truths. Uh, we don't have time to go into great depth. But as I thought about what we might focus on, I realized that there are some sort of dominant passages or, or chapters that address this. One of those, of course, is 1 Corinthians 13. If you've been a part of the church uh, for very long, you're probably familiar of that. We have the, the best definition I think humanity has ever been given of what love is found there. But there's another really good passage that's found in the book of 1 John. Um, if you go, and there's a couple of places you could look at, but 1 John, the fourth chapter, sort of reveals that. And so uh, we're going to be sort of landing on both of these two places. Now, time doesn't allow me to read through all of these, but I wanted to put them up just so you could jot them down, maybe as a part of your devotions tomorrow morning. As you get up on a Valentine's Day, these would be some good things to look at. 
But I did want to look at one of these. We are going to uh, look at 1 John, the fourth chapter. Um, And though we won't look at every verse, uh, I wanted to read that through just because I think there's something that's gained when we we see it in its context, when we have the passage in its entirety. Now, it's a, a rather long verse, and so how we're going to handle it is I'm going to read the first screen, and then I'm going to invite you to join with me as we read the second screen. So here's the first screen. Um, 1 John 4, beginning with verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is, and now you're going to join me at this part, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. Great passage speaking about God's love to his people through uh, the Apostle John, who's kind of at the end of his life as he's writing uh, these letters. And as we think about this idea, it's easy to understand why God would think love is so important because it's sort of the description, the definition of who God is. He is love. In fact, we read that just a moment ago, going back to that. uh, uh, (laughs) Whoops. There we go. Um, Going back to that eighth verse in that uh, fourth Uh, chapter there. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. We read it also in the 16th verse. Obviously, John wanted to make sure we grasp that concept. God is love. And it's not just that God is the one who created love. It's just not that love comes from God. It's that God is the essence of love. He's the embodiment of love. He's He's the definition of love. And so we see that, uh, that God wants us to understand that uh, for us to know him, we have to, to grasp and appreciate this concept of love. And I love how uh, Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 13 addresses this as a part of that explanation of what love is all about. He says that if we don't have that foundation, if we don't have that undergirding of love, then we have really missed sort of everything that's trying to be conveyed. And he does it in, in, in these words. He says, we can be uh, spiritual rock stars in the eyes of the world, maybe even in the eyes of the church. We can be prophets. We can speak in the language of angels. We can have miracle-providing faith. We can be individuals who, who have supernatural knowledge and wisdom. We can give all of our money to the poor, and who isn't impressed by those kinds of people? We can be people who endure great hardship for the cause of Christ. We can do all of those things that look really good, to the world. But then he concludes by saying that even though we can do all of those things, that the God who looks more to the heart than to our outward actions, this God, 
in his eyes were nothing and gain nothing. And those are pretty harsh words, I understand, but that's what the text says. We are nothing and we gain nothing if we don't have that bedrock, if we don't have that foundation of love. And so with that appreciation, um, let's look for just a moment at this text in, in 1 John 4 to see a part of what that love looks like. Again, we won't have opportunity to go through it in its, in its completeness, but a few things that are revealed to us are, one, that God's love cares. Uh, second of all, that God's love bears. And thirdly, we see that God's love shares. But it begins with that idea that God's love cares. And in some ways, that's such a simple thought, isn't it? Such a basic concept, we have a God who cares about us, and yet, it is so profound. Because I don't know anyone in the world who doesn't wanna know that someone cares for them, and I don't know anyone in the world who hasn't at some season in life wondered if that's true. Maybe for you, it was as you were growing up and you got bullied on the, on the playground. Maybe for you, it was as you moved into adolescence and we all get messed up in that season of life. Uh, maybe it was as a, as a college student and you're trying to figure out what's, what's the rest of your future going to look like. Maybe it's as you become married and there's been some rough parts in the relationship with your spouse. Maybe it's as you got into the twilight years of life and those who have been a friend and family have become smaller, smaller in number. I don't know when it was, but I know for all of us, we, we at some point ask that question, does anybody really care? And God's answer to us is yes. Yes, there's always been someone who cares about us, and that is our Father. In the book of, uh, the same book of First uh, John, we read in the 11th verse these words, dear friends, since God so loved us, do you understand that the tense here? He's not saying it might happen. He's saying it's already happened. God loves us. He's always loved us. Always will love us because he is a God who cares. Cares more than we can possibly imagine and cares about all areas of our life. He cares about our work life. He cares about our, our personal life. He cares about our hobbies. Um, he, he cares about, in fact, the, the number of hairs that we have on our head, Scripture tells us, uh, God's caring about those things. He cares for us to a level and a depth uh, we don't even begin to grasp. And as we ponder that, as we reflect on that, the, the truth of that is, is, is nearly overwhelming. And how much is it that God cares? How much do we, we appreciate this, this, um, this special place that we have in his heart? Well, there's a great passage by another writing of the Apostle John's, this one in the Gospel of John. He was reflecting here on the words of Jesus, and Jesus had this to say, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. He's called us friends. The, the creator of the universe, the builder of all things, the one who sustains everything that's out there, he views us as his friend. That's staggering to reflect on. And then he goes on a little bit more to elaborate on that in the same passage, this 15th chapter of John with these words. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And isn't that what Jesus did for us? 
Because we're his friends, he was willing to endure the, the cross for our sake, not because anything he needed to do, but because of what we desperately needed in our lives. Jesus cares for us, but doesn't just care for us. He loves us. And he doesn't just love us. He loves us so much that he was willing to die for us. Which, at least in my mind, leads me to the question or begs the question, how much in return, then, do I love God? How much am I willing to demonstrate my, my care for him? Now, we're fortunate to live in the, the country that we do. We live here in America, and, and we're probably never going to be called upon to make that ultimate sacrifice, though we can never forget that there are those who are called to do that on a regular basis. Uh, we know from different organizations out there that one out of eight Christians that live uh, on this planet, this place we call Earth, one out of eight regularly faces hostile persecution for their faith. Fortunately, we don't have to experience that here in this land. But that doesn't mean that there aren't still things that we're called to sacrifice to demonstrate our care for our God. Uh, things like uh, sacrifice, perhaps at, at times, of, of our time. And I know some would say, but you know, Pastor, I, I really just don't have that much free time to be able to do uh, things like that, to which I would um, lovingly ask you, how much time do you spend a week watching TV? And if you're watching more than an hour a night, I would lovingly suggest you've got time. If your weekends are free, you've got time some time. Uh, time to do what? Well, that's as God leads. Maybe it's to, uh, to take a, a weekend a month or a weekend, uh, maybe a year, to go and help out the Union Gospel Mission, uh, helping them serve meals to, uh, to those that are in need there. Uh, maybe it's, it's uh, taking an opportunity to, to be willing to sacrifice a week of your vacation to go and spend it on a missions trip somewhere. Maybe it means giving some time to uh, come alongside the wi widows and orphans that live here in Salem, maybe even who live in your neighborhoods. We can sacrifice by giving God some of our time. We can sacrifice by giving God some of our income. And again, uh, the question that would arise would be, what, Pastor, things are pretty tight in my household. We just don't have any extra money to be able to spend. To which I would again lovingly say, well, if you're watching TV, how many TVs do you have in your household? And if you've got more than one, and that's how it is in our household, then you've probably got enough disposable income to help out a little bit in the work of the kingdom. Because one of the truths, one of the realities of the world that, that we live in is that money allows things to happen. And so if, as we give more money, it means that there's, there's more opportunity for, for kids to be able to go to, to winter camp or to summer camp to hear the gospel presented around the campfire and other places because they're surely not going to hear it in our schools. As we give more money, it means providing opportunities to, to care in tangible ways for some of these persecuted Christians who, who have such challenging lives in the countries in which they live. As we give more money, it means that we provide opportunities for, uh, for young men and women to, to go onto our college campuses as, as part of parachurch groups to do ministry there, to share the authentic truth in an environment where a very distorted truth is too often conveyed. Maybe the sacrifice has to do with income, or maybe the sacrifice has to do with, with talents that you have.
Over the years, I've had the great privilege of, of serving in a number of different congregations in really all kinds of settings, large churches, small churches. Um, I've been in urban, suburban, rural, inner city, at a campus church uh, for a while. And in those churches, I've encountered some great people of Christ there um, that run the spectrum. Um, I've had people in, in our churches, in one case, we had an individual who was a world-class uh, trombonist. In another case, we had an individual, in fact, several individuals who were internationally known professors. Uh, we had one individual who was a, a pretty high executive in one of the Fortune 500 uh, companies. We even in one church had an individual who honestly and truly was a rocket scientist. He was a rocket scientist and he was a part of our church. And what I found is it doesn't matter whether they're individuals like that, whether they're people who are school teachers or they're farmers or whatever it might be, that it's as those individuals, it's as you individuals share your talents that the church is what it is. Because my guess is you know, certainly we as pastors know, that if it weren't for you, the church would be a shadow of what it is today. Now, it would never disappear. Uh, scripture tells us that even the gates of hell can't prevail against the church. It'll always exist. But it wouldn't have the impact that it has if it weren't for your willingness to share of those unique skills, those wonderful abilities God has blessed you with. And so we see that we've got a, a God that cares, that loves us by caring for us and that there's opportunities for us to demonstrate that care for him as well uh, through our time, through our talents, through our treasures. But love isn't just about caring. We see that love is also about bearing. Uh, as we think about that idea, we see that, that God has come alongside us and he has bore some of those things that provide challenge to our life. Difficult times, uh, discouragement, disappointments, heartache, struggles. And it's because of God's presence in our life that we're able to persevere because love, it perseveres, it endures, it withers, weathers the storm, it, it, it sustains in the most challenging of moments. If we go back to that passage in 1 Corinthians 13 or that chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, one of the verses there says this, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And as we think about how that's lived out in our lives as Christ followers, we, we ask, well, how has that been demonstrated by God toward us? What is it that he has bore on our behalf? And folks, and the list is very long. We think of his son on the cross, for example, but it wasn't just that. We think of what the father had to endure, what the, the father had to bear as he looked down seeing this happen to his son. As a parent, and, and I, I don't know that I fully appreciated this prior to having the two daughters that we have, but as a parent, I can't imagine anything worse in life than to see your child suffer to the point of death. And yet that's what the father bore out of love for us. That was the burden that he experienced in order to satisfy the penalty that had to be paid for our sins. The Father endured that because he's a God who loves. And as we think about that, we understand then that, that love really is um, 
much different than sometimes how the, the world uh, portrays it or conveys it. Uh, love really is in so many ways, it's a decision that we make, it's a commitment that we make, it's something that we choose to do, not something that we feel. Now, not that feelings don't have a play or a part of that, they do, but they're not the, the bedrock foundation of what love is about. Because you see, I don't think God felt like watching Jesus be crucified on the cross. I don't think Jesus felt like lying there while the nails were driven through his hands and his feet, experiencing the crown of thorns thrust into his head, the scourging on his back. And yet out of love, those things were endured because Jesus knew that there was only one remedy to our sin. And so out of love for us, he became that ultimate sacrifice, that sacrificial lamb for all of humanity. God bore so much for us. And so again, we can ask ourselves the question, so what is it that we're willing to bear for God? Are, are we willing to bear rejection as we tell others about Jesus? There's a possibility that would happen. Actually, it doesn't happen very often, far less than we think. But it's a risk. Are we willing to, to bear that risk? Are we willing to bear ridicule for standing up for biblical pre, uh, pre teachings and principles in, a, in an unbiblical culture? Are we willing to, to bear getting up early on Sunday mornings so that we can come down and honor God in the way that he's deserving? Which obviously, you folks, are kudos to you on that. Are we willing to, to bear those things in gratitude for a God who has bore so much for us. And then we see finally that, uh, that uh, love, in addition to caring and bearing, that uh, love is a love that, sorry, you're not keeping up with the slides very well today. Love is a love that shares. It's a love that shares. Almost from the very beginning, God's desire was that that love that he is the essence of would not just be limited to the Godhead, but, but it would be something that would be spread, I think, literally throughout the universe. In 1 John 4, verses 14 and 15, we read, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in them. I think John understood and wanted his readers to grasp and wants us here today uh, to, to, to understand as well that this love that he has demonstrated, this love that he represents is a love that's to be shared beyond the, the, the essence of our small families or of our church family into a world that so desperately needs to hear about that. It's always been designed to be shared God's always wanted his, his uh, creation to know that love. We remember the verse that tells us that, uh, that uh, his desire is that none should perish. Or that, uh, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. His plan, his, his hope has always been that, that his people would know that love. And what we see here is John is writing the text, this verse, these verses we've looked at today, is that he's wanting to, to see that good news shared. And he's doing that not out of a sense of duty, but I think he's doing so out of, out of a desire, a passion, that others might experience what he has experienced in his life. 
He wants others, the readers then and us today, to be fellow messengers with him in proclaiming that phenomenal truth that we can know that love, that others can know that love, that we can know the the author of who love is, that we can know the essence of what love is, that we can know who loves us unconditionally more than we can ever imagine, and that we can know how we can enter into a personal relationship with this one who is not only love, but desires to be one who reaches out in love to us. Folks, that's what love is about. It's about caring. It's about bearing. It's about sharing. And it's a love that God doesn't desire only to be demonstrated toward us, but it's a love that he calls us to share with one another and to those who don't yet know him. To do that through our words, to do that through our actions, to do that even in our thoughts that that world might see in us something unique, something so different than when they typically see on the streets. And in that uniqueness, be drawn to that, to want to know what it is that allows us to smile and to find strength in those difficult moments and to come alongside those who are hurting. Because it's not us We know ourselves well enough to know it's not a natural part of who we are. It's him working through us. And so as we leave here in a few moments after we do some more worship, my hope is that you'll take with you into this Valentine's Day weekend that idea that we have an awesome God, an awesome God whose love does care, does bear, and that we're called to share it among others.